Good morning, everybody. It's uh, Herb Morgan, Monday, April 12th, 2021. Uh, this is a weekly economic and market commentary and podcast produced by yours truly with Efficient Market Advisors. We are a business of Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors. As a reminder, you can follow me throughout the week on Twitter at ETF underscore strategist or LinkedIn, Herb Morgan. But this podcast is available. If you get it directly from us via email, you get the slides. If you'd rather get it on a podcast, you can get it in all the usual places, Apple, Spotify, Podchaser, Player, Listener, Deezer, you name it. It's all available. The official name is Slaying Bulls and Bears. And we make the complex and complicated simple and sensical. Presentation you're seeing and or hearing has been prepared by us for use with both investors and or financial advisors, each of whom are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. We had a great week. Equity markets were strong again last week as we approach the beginning of earnings season, which is really getting going in earnest this week. The S&P rose almost 3%. We got to new fresh all-time highs on the excitement and enthusiasm of the reopening, coupled with massive monetary and fiscal stimulus. Mid-cap stocks up about nine-tenths of a percent. Small cap reversed and was actually down slightly. Developed international participating fully. Emerging markets down a little bit. But fixed income stopped the rising rates and sort of uh, stabilized last week. There was comments uh, by the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell that they would possibly consider additional asset purchases. And here we all on the street were talking about when they start to remove accommodation a hint of actually increasing accommodation gave the bond market a solid bid. The aggregate bond index up 40 basis points on the week. The long-term 20-plus year treasury index up 22. Still pretty significantly negative for the year. Moving into the economic data that was released last week, let's start with market services. Remember, services and manufacturing make up the economy. Services about 85% of the U.S. economy. The services PMI or Purchasing Manager Index from Marquette came in at 60.4 in March. Uh, that was above estimates. It was above the February number and a very, very, very solid, strong reading. Obviously, the reopening of the services sector uh, of the economy is driving that. The competitor reading from ISM or the Institute for Supply Management, their services PMI or non-manufacturing PMI, came in to 63.7. That's the highest reading ever. The survey goes back to 1997, so 24 years. The estimate was for 59. It absolutely blew the doors off at 63.7. As I said, the highest reading ever. New orders came in at 67.2. You know, big jump. Business activity rose to 69.5. And the best news of all is that we're seeing pickup uh, in employment. That number came in at 57.2. You really couldn't ask for a better number here. And traditionally, when you start to see big pickup and great numbers like this, then the fear is that the Fed is going to take away the liquidity punch bowl and end it. So even though you obviously have great news, you could see a market sell-off. We didn't get that because the Fed continues to telegraph 
that the party is not ready to end any time soon. And I know I'm, I'm sounding like a broken record telling you this every week, but this will help you really understand why we're continuing uh, to ride this wave of uh, this nice market um, uplift. Factory orders came in last week. They were down just a little bit, uh, eight-tenths of a percent, a little worse than expected, but there was a huge gain in January, and it was a February number, not March. So February, of course, we were rocked by very, very cold weather, very significant number of factory shutdowns in places like Texas. So um, this really wasn't all that bad after all. The JOLTS report for February, that's job openings, rose. We are back getting close to pre-pandemic job openings in this country. That's very good news. Almost 7.4 million. That was almost a half a million above the consensus estimates of 6.9 million. Still, unemployment, though, remains very, very high. Now, the good news is there's the openings that are there that will begin to absorb some of the unemployed. But take a look at this graph here. This is, uh, shows that employment recovery has been slow. If you look at March 1st of 2020, there were 227 million Americans employed. As of March 1st, 2021, there are 216 million Americans employed. Now the unemployment rate is low, but that's because many people are identifying themselves as not being in the labor market when they get those surveys either because their profession is shut down by government edict, places like California, you could be a teacher, uh, you could be a, you know, somebody that works in a, in a public facility, uh, restaurant, bar, you, you, you know the, the deal. But this is why the Fed is not going to acquiesce to a little inflationary pressure. They're gonna let it run until such time as these employment numbers start to rise. We would not expect the Fed to do much till we get at least back up to 220, 221 million Americans employed, regardless of what that does to the unemployment rate. We've got to get the participation rate higher. The Fed is going to let it go. They even suggested, as I mentioned last week, that they could actually do more asset purchases. Okay, we got a massive trade deficit number. Now, in a sense, this is bad news. In a sense, it's good news. It's the largest trade deficit ever. Remember the prior administration, the Trump administration was very focused on the trade deficit, particularly as it related to manufacturing and energy. And quite frankly, they made a lot of progress, to be fair. But the trade deficit in February rose to almost, or to over 71 billion. And since trade deficits subtract from GDP, that's a negative. But why do they have it? Because we're importing a lot of stuff. Both consumers and businesses are flush with cash. They're spending that cash. They're spending it on imported items. Maybe they're, they're, they go into the production process. Maybe they go into the consumptive process. But that shows the strength of the American consumer and the American corporation. And so it's more of a two-edged sword rather than just an absolute negative of having this big trade deficit. Consumer credit surged in the month of February up $27.6 billion, revolving credit up about $8 billion, non-revolving almost $20 billion. So that suggests, again, as we've been saying, 2021 is going to continue to be a very, very good year for the economy 
And if we can just get the jobs recovery, the last bit, the last piece of the puzzle, we'll be doing really good. But unfortunately, we had another rough week for initial claims for unemployment rose from 728,000 to 744. That was well above expectations. Continuing claims uh, fell a little bit to 3.73, but are still, uh, you know, that's because benefits run out. We also have, you know, a lot of folks that, you know, getting stimulus checks, staying home, not quite ready, their restaurant or their job hasn't reopened in many, many places. On to the inflation front. Now we're getting into go into earnings season and the number one thing besides the earnings themselves that I think is worth watching in this earnings season is going to be mentions of inflation, cost of production, input prices, labor prices, et cetera. Look at this graph here on the right. This is the producer price index or PPI. It rose 1% in March, but it's up over 4% on a year over year basis. Now, remember it was exactly a year ago, March, that we shut down the economy. So of course, prices plummeted. So the year over year comparison should be very, very high. For this reason, the Fed is not overly concerned. For this reason, most economists believe this is a transitory thing. And so they're not worried about raising rates or cutting back on asset purchases right now because they believe this will sort of work itself off in the, basically in the immediate future. And obviously the slack in the labor market is deflationary, deflationary. Wholesale inventories rose six tenths of a percent in February on top of the gain in January. Normally we have been seeing the inventories gain while sales gain. And I said, of course, that's fantastic news. There was an, a very, very small uh, drop in sales in February, eight tenths of a percent, nothing to be concerned about, not looking to see, you know, we're not gonna see corporations suddenly uh, uh, stop building inventories during this boom time. Uh, so really, uh, that's a good, good report. In terms of this week, I think what's most important is that we are getting earnings season underway this week. Uh, we always start, as you know, with the financials, you know, the JP Morgans, et cetera. So a bit over 7% of the S&P 500 by market cap, it's about 24, 20, 24 companies are going to report earnings this week. And this is going to set the tone and we follow that up with the following week will be about 85. And then the third week, so two weeks from now, will be the third week. That's when we really get into the, the, the heart and the bulk of this earnings season. And I expect that this earnings season is going to kind of be unlike anyone we've probably seen maybe ever. Uh, we expect record beats versus the estimates. And the question now becomes how much of that is already priced into stocks, right? We know the market's gone up. We know it's not cheap by current earnings standards. How much of a beat are we going to get? We believe the year over year gains are going to be north of 20%. Uh, and that's about five times normal. Normally, you know, earnings grow four, say 4% a year, right? So this is a massive beat. So the question becomes, does the market say, okay, we got it. We expected it. And we sort of sell off or moderate on the strength. Or are the beats even better than the market's expecting and we take this market up higher to another level? Uh, in addition to that, you know, one of the things that came out of the pandemic is we found out that there were some great industries that were not necessarily impacted in a negative way by the shutdown because they're virtual, they're technology, they're electronic, they're secular in nature. 
we now expect broad-based gains to come across the board in really all the sectors, even things like energy, we expect to do uh, pretty good um, this quarter. In addition to that, in addition to hearing companies talk about supply chain and delivery times, inflationary and pricing pressures, we expect them to talk about uses for this cash that they've been accumulating, and it's substantial. Just like I've talked to you about the American consumer balance sheet being very, very strong and substantial uh, and ready to deploy on consumptive uh, things through the spring and summer months, we expect uh, corporations uh, to probably go back and start buying back shares, which of course is accretive to earnings. We expect companies that either cut or paused dividend increases during the pandemic to resume those dividend increases or reinitiate those dividends. Uh, and we also expect to see more discussion and announcements about capital expenditures, as well, quite frankly, as merger and acquisition activity. Um, there's been, uh, there was a delay in a lot of capital expenditures last year. We didn't know the future of the virus, the future of the vaccine, et cetera. Clearly, at this point, I think even the discussion of a variant of the virus substantially pulling back in the U.S. recovery seems very remote. We're hearing more and more that the existing vaccines are effective with the, uh, the variants. Uh, no guarantees of that, <laughs> but uh, that is what we're hearing. And so it really looks as though uh, things are going to go well. And again, because the Fed is not overly concerned about inflation this time around, and they're not overemphasizing their inflationary mandate, we, we think that we can have happy times here throughout the spring and summer months. Uh, in the marketplaces. And, you know, we investors, we like to think it's all about us. It's not about us. What the Fed is doing is the Fed is, fo is focusing on their job, which is employment. And we are a beneficiary of them doing that and focusing on that full employment mandate. So we as investors are, uh, are really, you know, getting uh, a benefit here. In terms of economic data this week, I mentioned it's all about the 24 companies uh, that will report earnings. The steepening of the yield curve is certainly going to help financial earnings in my view. But we've got plenty of economic data, whether it's uh, CPI, which expect something similar on a year-over-year -year basis to what I showed you with PPI, right, last week. Then we've got import-export prices, the Fed's board book for their upcoming meeting, which will be out on Wednesday. That's called the Beige Book. New York State, Philly Fed, Empire, you know, excuse me, New York is Empire Manufacturing. Weekly jobs claims still stuck at that 700000 unfortunately. Retail sales expected to have a boom in the month of March because of stimulus checks, big stimulus checks that came in in the month of March, housing sentiment on Thursday, Friday, housing starts, permits, and consumer sentiment. So again, that was a quick uh, recap and preview for this week, the week beginning today, April 12th. Don't forget, subscribe on iTunes and anywhere else podcasts can be fine. We really appreciate the reviews, the stars, the likes. That means more people can find us. Uh, out there. Uh, please uh, subscribe and give us that thumbs up. Thank you as always for, uh, for tuning in. We'll be back to you again next week.